We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Hood, 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 hood! This is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson. Zach Pearson. And Aaron Lemming. Aaron Lemming. Providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. Week one is in the books, and the Chicago Bears are 0-1 after a 34-14 loss at Los Angeles to the Rams. A disappointing loss and a lot to talk about with that loss. We're going to go over it all here on the Bear Report. Chicago's next opponent Sunday in week two, the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's bring in my co-host Aaron Lemming and Aaron um, week one, maybe went to maybe went as a lot of us expected, but overall it was still pretty disappointing to see the bears put up 14 points and give up 34. It was man. It's, you know, it again, you know, we talked a lot about this and I had a few people, you know, on Twitter that were basically telling me like, we're being too negative and, you know, in, it, really what it comes down to is this, like, I, I think most of what we've talked about on this podcast throughout the, throughout the off season, you know, in the, in the training camp, into the preseason, a lot of what we said kind of came to fruition. And so, you know, I've had a few people say, well, does this loss, you know, does this change your perspective on the season and all? It's like, not really. I mean, if they lose, if they lose this weekend against, against the Bengals and yeah, it probably will. But as of right now, like I didn't expect the game to be overly close and I, I didn't expect them to win, but on a good note, uh, football's back. And I'm sure you were probably, you know, with the majority of us where we literally sat on the couch Saturday and Sunday and just watched a ton of college football and professional football. And I'm sure everybody was probably doing the same thing in terms of checking their, uh, checking their fantasy teams throughout Sunday and Monday. And uh, Dan Dent, if you're listening to this, I give up, man. Like I, I swear we've done this bear report league for, I I've been in it for four years now. And I think Zach, I think you've been in the same. I don't know that I've beat him once the entire damn time. And every single time that I think I'm going to beat him somehow I'm either up and he somehow has this miraculous comeback or I have like a really easy task with one of like, for instance, I think Mark Andrews needed like 13 points for me and somehow Mark Andrews gets five points for me. So I just, I gave up, man. I I clearly can't beat the guy. I'm pretty sure he's won the league. What two out of the last three years, I just give up at this point. 
Yeah, um, my team scored like 94 points, and I was the last, yeah, least amount of points. Um, so I guess I was pretty much the Chicago Bears of the uh, <laughs> this fantasy league. Well, I guess Green Bay only scored three, so I guess I was the Packers of the fantasy league. But yeah, man, I'm glad football's back. But overall, man, it was just, you know, I expected the Bears to lose. We both predicted them to lose uh, this game when we did our predictions and we you know, did our staff predictions article. But you know, for me, watching that game and looking at how the Bears played on offense and defense, I came away thinking, where the hell is this progress? Like, where's this progress that we've heard all offseason? Um, I keep going back to that quote with, you know, Matt Nagy saying, well, we're in year four. When I first got here, I told you it be a little bit of a process. We feel like we have the pieces and, and all that. And then, you know, listening to him talk about Sean Desai's defense and all offseason, dude, I mean, what did we hear? We heard this is the closest we're going to get to Vic Fangio's defense. That's why we brought in Sean Desai. He worked under Fangio. It's going to be close. They went out and gave up 34 points. And I'm going to throw some stats at you. Let me throw some defensive stats at you first. The 34 points that they gave up was the most in a week one game since 2003 when they gave up, I believe it was 49 to the 49ers. It was t- it was like 10th most all time in week one. There was a couple of 38ers, a couple of 37s um, thrown in there. In terms of passer rating, and Matthew Stafford did a fantastic job. And nothing against Matthew Stafford, but – when there's blown coverages, it's just easy pitch and catch. You still have to make those throws. He, he did a good job, but the Bears allowed have allowed a QB passer rating of 98.6 or better in 11 of their last 12 games, giving up 29 touchdowns and five interceptions. That happened just three times in the previous 38 games before that, and that stats from Mark Potash of the Sun-Times. Those are my two defensive stats. My offensive stat for you here is, I I think you know I'm going to go with this one. The Bears were the only team in week one to not attempt a single pass 15 yards downfield. I I do think they attempted one 16. It was picked off. Um, This was from PFF. But they only attempted five passes of 10 or more yards, and I think they had one completion. The game plan was obviously to throw it short. But if you're going to do that and you're going to talk about how good the Rams' defense was a year ago, you still have to open up the damn playbook a little bit and take some shots deep. It was frustrating watching the Bears after all season. They talk about we have speed, 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 speed. Speed's really no good on five-yard routes. You can make some things work, but Marquise Goodwin's not a guy that's going to be running five-yard routes and be effective. Demir Bird's not a guy that's going to be doing that. And then you have Allen Robinson running just a whatever they had him running out there. Man, it was very, very, very frustrating to watch on Sunday night. Well, I think, you know, really what it came down to is on both sides of the ball, the Bears just got out coached, right? And again, we've been talking about this for a while. The Bears have a lot of holes on their roster. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, I was, I took a decent amount of heat, and I'm sure you probably did too, for thinking, that the Bears defense was going to take a step back this year. And again, I've pointed back to the 2020 Minnesota Vikings multiple times in terms of how bad this thing can get, where they go from a top five to seven defense to just completely falling off the face of the earth because of one thing and one thing only. And that's because they turned over basically their entire cornerback group. 
And the Bears have essentially done very similar in terms of, okay, they have Jalen Johnson was their only week one starter from last year. But then you have Kendall Vildor, who's, you know, starting. Artie Burns, who is on the roster and didn't play a snap. And then, you know, Duke Shelley, who was supposed to be the projected nickel, and all of a sudden Marquis Christian was the the starting nickel. And he was the one on that Cooper Cup uh, touchdown who basically blew the coverage because he was supposed to go with him in man coverage all the way to the end of the end zone and just stopped about 15 yards downfield thinking he was in a zone defense and not man-to-man. So, you know, it's it's one of those situations where, again, when you when you start looking at the overall talent on this team, they still have talent. And that's what's so frustrating because we can just start on the defense side of the ball here. And, you know, and this is something else that we talked about throughout the offseason that I worried was a bad gamble. And that was the fact that Ryan Pace put all of his chips in the middle of the table defensively on this front seven, right? So not only did he cut Kyle Fuller instead of Akeem Hicks, which is, again, the $500,000 difference in, t- in terms of actual safe cap space, but he replaced him with essentially nothing. You know, you look at it, he replaced him with Desmond Trufant, who was on a league minimum deal. He's not even on the roster. He's now playing with the Saints and actually played a decent amount for the Saints this last weekend. And then you look at Artie Burns, who, once again, vet minimum guy was here last year towards ACL, um, didn't play a snap. Kendall Vildor, fifth round pick from last year, really didn't play that well, wasn't terrible, but didn't really play that well. Duke Shelley, sixth round pick from the year before that, um, well, he wasn't even active. And then again, you know, Marky Christian, another guy on a vet minimum deal. So you start looking at that and then you look at the front seven and especially the pass rush and, you know, Akeem Hicks to his credit had a half a sack and he had two, uh, two different pressures or two different quarterback hits. Should I say Robert Quinn, half a sack on the same sack. Obviously they had one sack the entire game had two quarterback hits as well. Khalil Mack, where was he at? Um, let's see. Bilal Nichols. Where was Bilal Nichols at? Where was, uh, I don't know, maybe Angelo Blackson, the guy that I'm still trying to figure out why the hell did he sign in the first place and gave any sort of resources to where was he at? And that's kind of my point is you start looking around and like the one guy that was really kind of a star for you in training camp in the preseason, Travis Gibson was hardly out on the field at all. And again, another one, Jeremiah Ataachu was another one who didn't do anything. So it's it's one of those things when you start looking at the resources that they put in the team and then the lack of resources that they put on the team on the defensive side of the ball. And then you see all the blown coverages, the fact that they weren't pressuring Matt Stafford. I guess really the only saving grace that they had the entire game was the fact that they were able to defend the run quite well until the fourth quarter when everybody was bogged down. And you flip over to the offensive side of the ball and – I know a lot of people are going to say, well, they crossed the, you know, they crossed midfield or better seven out of their nine drives or whatever it was. And it's like, okay, well, that's, that's cool, but they scored 14 points. And then, you know, there's the argument of, well, they, they could have had two field goals, but they went for it. Okay. Well, they were 0 4 on fourth down. And really what this comes down to is that, you know, they, there was a clear game plan in place on both sides of the ball. They failed miserably defensively. Offensively, I think the game plan went about according to plan. I mean, obviously, you'd like to score more points, but like you pointed out, there was no ball in the air over 15 yards for this team in the passing game the entire game, right? Every other team had at least four, at least four throws over 15 yards through the air throughout the NFL, 31 other teams, right? So, 
here's the thing, right? The, the, the Rams have a really good defense. I'm not debating that. I think the Rams are going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. I actually have them projected to win the entire NFC. I have them in the Super Bowl. So I get it. I, I you know, it, it is what it is. But at the same time, a good offensive minded play caller, coordinator, head coach, whatever it may be, looks at a, a defense like that and says, okay, that's their strong point. We probably want to be smart about how we go deep on them. We probably want to, you know, lead with the run. We probably want to run some crossing routes over the middle. We probably want to do whatever it may be. But most confident coordinators and play callers are going to look at that and say, yeah, they're really good, but guess what? We're going to find a way around that. What does Matt Nagy do? Matt Nagy says, yeah, let's just go ahead and send Marquise Goodwin, who is basically a deep threat with questionable hands. Let's just go ahead and he's going to be our leading receiver on the night. And we're just going to throw a bunch of five to seven yard routes to him. You know, one of the best receivers in the league, Allen Robinson, he's not even going to get 50 yards on the night. We're just basically going to have him run a bunch of, you know, random little, little, you know, three yard routes. And then you look at a guy like Demir Bird. You know what? Let's go ahead and put him as one of the lead blockers on a on a wide receiver screen when wide receiver screens haven't worked the entire time i've been in chicago but let's go ahead and continue to run those you know oh okay well let's go ahead and bring justin fields into the game instead of letting him throw the ball use his athleticism let's go ahead and run this trick play when it really turns out that all it is is a shovel pass we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So those are the kind of issues that I continue to have problems with. Yes, I understand that the offensive line is, you know, is just disjointed right now and they're trying to figure things out. I understand that they went again against a good defensive front with the Rams. But again, I, I think a lot of this, even outside of the lack of talent versus a team like the Rams, who I think are going to be a Super Bowl contender, they simply got out coached. And you know, it is what it is defensively. I mean, obviously we know they had a terrible, you know, defensive, uh, you know, really just a defensive performance as a whole. Sean, Sean Desai's first game as a defensive coordinator, you know, you kind of give a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt, at least on the coaching side on that part. But then you look at Matt Nagy going into year four and it's all the same things that have not worked. And it's all the same tendencies that have not worked and have got them in the, in the trouble. And that's exactly what they did again. And it's just really what it's coming down to is like Dennis, you know, Denny Green used to say, like, the Bears are who we thought they were. Matt Nagy is who we thought he was. He is he's just simply not a good play caller. And frankly, and I, I'm going to be 
be nice about this, but I think let's just put it this way. I think he is a timid play caller at best. And the whole BU is something that he tells himself to try to get himself over the hump. But the reality of the matter is, is that the offense cannot sustain the type of output that they had in terms of yardage without points. It's just not going to work. They can't just continually have six or seven, eight minute drives with 12 to 14 plays and expect for that to work. This isn't John Fox football. This is just not how it's going to work. Yeah, and it's it's just embarrassing, man, because it's the same stuff again. It's just 14 points, and they only score on two of their eight drives, and they go, what, 0 for 3, 0 for 4 on fourth downs. And, you know, they can't really move the ball effectively. And when they get down in the red zone, there's an interception and, and things like that. It's the same stuff that has kind of plagued this team over and over. And I want to say it was a drive in the second half. The Bears, you know, kind of moved the ball um, and and were picking up some chunks and, and got into Rams territory. And then we saw a, a dumb, like, gadget play with Justin Fields in the game or some reverse, some jet sweep, and then they threw, like, a screen and they were kind of backed up after a penalty. It's like Matt Nagy, I, I think, can be a good head coach but he's got to relinquish the play calling duties. He is not a good play caller. And he's sitting here worried about these, you know, fourth down decisions. And that to me takes away time and thought he could put into his play calls and what he's going to call next and kind of get into a flow. When have the bears ever truly been into or had a good flow of the game offensively? I don't think it's happened since 2018. There's not a single game I could think of where they were, boom, good call, boom, good call, you know, just good calls after good calls after good calls and kind of, you know, kind of playing off of their offensive identity in a positive way. It's been a long time, and that showed again on Sunday night, man. There were some questionable play calls in my eyes. Um, I don't think they got away from the run. Like there's kind of that narrative going on. I don't think they really got away from the run. I think they actually used David Montgomery pretty well. Um, we got to, you know, remember Montgomery, I think missed two series in the second half dealing with a hand injury. Montgomery was a stud. That is, if you want to take he was their best offensive positive, player, dude, he was, he's man, honestly, he's been outstanding since basically since he had that breakout game last year, he's been yeah. damn good. Like and he's he was, been one of the positives. Yeah. They, they didn't get away from the run. I know that's no, they didn't get away at all. When you're down, when you're down like that to a high-scoring offense, and you're running out of time, simply put, you have to throw the ball. I mean, that's just the yep. way it is. Yeah, and, and you know, and if you want to argue that, you know, you could say that they should be throwing the ball down the field, which I think you and I both agree. It's just there's no rhythm, there's no flow, there's no consistency with this offense, and there hasn't been now for two plus seasons. And we keep hearing, you know, oh, we got to go to four hundred four, and and we're, we're making progress in this offense. There's absolutely no progress in this offense whatsoever. And it's a shame because they're going to waste away Allen Robinson. They're going to waste away David Montgomery. They're going to waste away Darnell Mooney. Eventually it's, it's just incredible, man. And, you know, flipping over to the defensive side of the football. I mean, what a crap show that was three blown coverages. Essentially, um, Sean Desai said today there was eight plays where the bears missed tackles and they had a total of 12 missed tackles. He pointed to the Cooper cup screen. It was like a 15 yard gain on third and what 12 or something like that. And they picked up 15 and he counted three to four missed tackles on that one play alone. It's awful. They were making mistakes that veterans shouldn't make Eddie Jackson's for Sean Gibson. That's absolutely ridiculous. That cannot happen. And I'm, 
tired of this BS that Matt Nagy spews of, oh, it'll be a learning lesson, it'll be a teaching lesson. Deshaun Gibson's been in the league for 10 seasons now. And I will say this, props to Sean Gibson. He met the media on Monday. Eddie Jackson did not meet the media on Monday. Deshaun Gibson owned up to it. He said a lot of it was his fault. The blown coverages were his fault, whether we agree or not. He owned up to it. I got to give him props on that. A 10-year veteran should not be making those mistakes, and he, and he admitted it. Eddie Jackson should not be making those mistakes. What is this, year five for Eddie Jackson? For Ben Nagy, you say this is a learning moment. We'll learn from it. We can teach our offense. You know, if you're down, you got to get up and run. No shit, Matt. Everyone on that offense probably knows if you're untouched, you can get up and run. It's just the, the, the stuff that they spew, man, is just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's about it, it, this season feels like it's about to come crumbling down whether it's a loss this week or you maybe they win this week and, and, and lose a couple games coming up. But let's not forget, man, they have a very tough schedule uh, beginning in like October. And I could just see this whole thing just going downhill quickly. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, and that's where, you know, again, you never want to overreact to week one, regardless of what it is. Right. Because I mean, we saw some crazy things happen. I mean, you want to talk about a a fan base that is probably panicking worse than a lot of bears fans right now. Let's talk about the green Bay Packers. They got blown out 38 to three Aaron Rodgers looked like he had no interest in being out on the field whatsoever. And I would put good money on the fact that they're going to come out and probably smoke the Lions on Monday. Now, again, you know, so you look at some of these games and it's kind of the same thing with the Houston Texans, right? The Houston Texans blow out the Jaguars. Pretty good chance the Houston Texans are probably going to get smoked by the Browns this weekend. But I think that and that's kind of where the the middle ground of, you know, depending on what your expectations were for the season, coming into it versus coming out of the game. I don't think anything should change too much. But again, this is something that we've been talking about for quite a while. We've had these concerns for quite a while. And, you know, again, it's it's kind of like, you know, you, you put the you put the child gloves on with, you know, a guy like Eddie Jackson, with a guy like Tashawn Gibson. And I understand, you know, you're, you don't want your coach throwing you, you know, under the bus in the media in the public, in the open, whatever. I get that. But at the same time, man, it's like, you could just say, yeah, that was bad. We'll deal with it. You know, don't, it's not a learning lesson. There's no learning lesson to happen there. Like, and that's the problem. And that's, that's, I guess that's my bigger issue with a guy like Eddie Jackson, right? Is that you, you look at, again, defensively, they got a, man, they got a lot. They got seven guys that are making more than $2 million on the roster this year. Right. And their defense was by far the worst of the two units. I mean, special teams luckily really wasn't an issue or wasn't an issue at all. So at least we don't have to talk about that, but it's like, you look at there's seven guys on the defense making $2 million or more this year. And one of your guys, one of your highest, one of the highest paid safeties in the league and Eddie Jackson could not be bothered to make most tackles. And it's just infuriating because you can see it, especially on certain run fields. There was one in the game this last weekend where he comes up in the box and makes a nice tackle. And it's like, well, okay, cool. So you know how to tackle. It's not, it's not an issue if you don't know how to tackle. And obviously it's a little bit different than being in the open field, but he's so 
lazy out there, man. It's crazy to me. It's like, that's the thing is Eddie Jackson was awesome when he was making plays. You know, he's always not really been the greatest of tacklers. And I think a lot of that is just the commitment from him to actually make tackles. I mean, he makes a lot of business decisions out there, which is kind of weird considering he's a defensive player. But, you know, when he was making plays, when he was scoring touchdowns, when all that stuff, you know, the, the talking was cute. The confidence was cute, you know, whatever. But the reality of it is, is he has not been a very good safety in quite a while. And he seems to be getting worse. And, you know, Tashawn Gibson can say, you know, it was on him, whatever. Well, the Marky, you know, the, sorry, the Cooper cup touchdown was not on him. The, the, obviously the, the one to, uh, I'm going to draw a blank. I know it's not Josh Reynolds. Who's the other guy that they, the guy that caught the Van, touchdown pass. Van Jefferson. Was a draft pick. Van, Van Jefferson. Jefferson. There we yep. go. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things where that was inexcusable. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Like, don't sugarcoat it. Don't. It's not a learning lesson. It's not anything. It was inexcusable. I would like to hope that it's not going to happen again. But then at the same time, like, you go back to the preseason, and a lot of Bears defensive starters, especially in the secondary, played, and there was a lot of the same things going on. There was bad tackling. There was a – basically, there was – not much of a willingness to tackle or make plays on the ball, whatever it may, you know, whatever you may want to label it as. And then I guess to really kind of tie things on a, you know, tie things up with the bow here, you have Alec Ogletree who basically made the roster, in my opinion, and made the roster because Danny Trevathan's health is not that great. And then, you know, just with everything else that kind of happened, uh, you know, and he, th- this dude makes the roster and what does he do? He goes out and he gets a taunting penalty. And it's like, dude, you played terribly. The majority of the game, you were awful in coverage. Like you were not good in this game whatsoever. And then you go out and you cost your team with a penalty, regardless of what the game score was at that point, how much it really mattered. The point being is you cannot make that kind of mistake. It's not even a mistake. It's just, it's just stupidity. And that's the kind of stuff where, you know, and, and Matt Nagy was asked about it. He said, well, you know, somebody asked him, he said, is this a reflection of coaching? Is this a reflection of coaching how, you know, you got these guys out here that are being undisciplined. You have other guys that basically aren't putting in full effort. You know, you got a bunch of blown assignments. You got this, you got this. Is this coaching? And it's like, and, and you know, of course he says, well, no, it's not coaching. It's just, it's like, well, then what the hell is it? Because it's either, it's one of two things. It's either you don't have the right players or you have bad coaching. And I think it's a combination of both in the secondary, but it's again, I'm not going to jump too much on Sean Desai for the first game because who knows? We could be talking here in a few weeks and maybe the Bears defense gets it all figured out. Their secondary comes together. The front seven starts getting home and all of a sudden they start looking more like the defense that a lot of fans expected them to look like. But at the same time, I, I do think that even during the preseason, there were quite a few concerning things that we saw from this defense that have carried over to where, again, it's kind of the same thing that a lot of people have said. Aaron Rodgers just said, you know, we, we, we just lacked energy on offense. It's like, well, you scored three points, you threw two interceptions, and Jordan Love was in the game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. How do you lack energy week one? You know, it's those are the kind of things where you just look at it and you're like, like, what did, did these guys expect us to believe this stuff? I, It's like, are you not motivated? What What's going on? I think a lot of it, you know, obviously not with the Packers, but a lot of it with the Bears right now, uh, I, I saw a lot of effort offensively. I did. I, you know, I, I think more than anything offensively, I think there's just a lack of talent and there's a lack of scheme. I don't think the coaching's helping out there, but I think defensively, I think it's a combination of the coaching and the fact that you've got dudes out there making way the hell too much money for the way that they've been playing. And that's including Khalil Mack, man. I, I'm, I, you know, I love Khalil Mack. I think Khalil Mack's a really good player, 
But when you're one of the highest paid defensive players in the league, you got to produce a hell of a lot more than he's produced well, basically the last me, year plus. Let me ask you this. Who do you think had a better game on Sunday night, Robert Quinn or Khalil Mack? No, I'd say Robert Quinn. I would say that too. And I'm At not least just from saying a pass rushing standpoint. Exactly. And not just because he had two quarterback hits and a half a sack. He was trying to get to the court. I mean, he, Robert Quinn did have that one play where he could have got Stafford. He got fooled. But after that, it felt like Robert Quinn played a lot better than what people are giving him credit for. Yeah, well, and I, and I think, you know, Robert Quinn's kind of one of those, he's low-hanging fruit. And, you know, it's deserved to a certain extent. Yeah, but yeah deserved no, I, so. In, in, obviously, I think we also have to take into account that Cleo Max facing a lot more double teams and triple teams than, than Robert Quinn. But the reality of it is, man, when you pay a guy the kind of money that they're paying Cleo Mack, you have to produce. It's just that simple. You have to produce. And the fact is, is he hasn't had a 10 sack season since his first year with the bears. So it's kind of one of those, it's just, I don't know, man. And maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe he had, did he have a 10 sack season in 2019? Um, I, I don't think he did. I believe he got to like, it was like eight and a half or something like yeah. that. Um, and again, sacks aren't the end all be all. All I'm saying is, and he's a very well-rounded player. He's still a really good player. All I'm saying is, is you got it's just this simple man like you have to get more production from the side of the ball that you're paying all this money to and it's not just mac it's not just jackson it's not you know like there there are a laundry list of names where guys have to start producing more i think defensively i'd say the only guys that i would truly say had pretty quality games outside of you know the I, I think Akeem Hicks was pretty good, but I think Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson were the two, and Jalen Johnson really didn't get targeted that much. I know I saw one stat where they, they, I, I want to say they actually gave him, they gave him responsibility for one of the touchdowns, and from what I've seen, that's not the case. I don't know where that parallel was drawn. I don't, I don't agree with that, but. I do think that those are probably the two best defensive players out on the field, um, and. Again, simply put, man, I mean, it's just you have way too many resources on the defense side of the ball for you to ever have that kind of performance. And you really, really, really have to hope that it's not going to repeat itself because, you know, again, the the Bengals aren't as experienced this week. Um, and obviously we'll, we'll get to that. But the Bears are going to be facing a lot of good offenses coming up, man. I mean, just look at that schedule. You pointed it out. I mean, they got a really tough schedule this year, and there's a lot of really, really, really tough offenses on the on the schedule coming up over the next few weeks. So the Bears need to get it figured out because they get in a shootout situation, and they're going to lose that nine, nine out of ten times, I would say, if they get in those kind of situations where oh, they have to score easily. more because the defense isn't holding up. So. Yeah, easily. And to kind of correct myself, it was nine for Cleo Mack last season. So he almost got to 10, but still short to your point. Yeah, man, it's if you listen to this podcast, if you followed my practice reports on the Bear Report, if you follow most of Bears uh, beat writers on Twitter, pretty much all of them said it. This secondary was not good in training camp. There were legit questions. There were legit questions after they released Kyle Fuller. And there still are legit questions about this secondary. Outside of Jalen Johnson, this secondary was an absolute nightmare on Sunday. And, you know, Sean Desai said today that they could still go with Duke Shelley in the slot. I imagine he'll probably get a chance to play in the slot this week. Um, he was a healthy scratch last week for whatever reason. But yeah, man, this, this this secondary is not very good. Kendall Wilder's been struggling out there. Um, Marquette Christian struggled out there. And then you had the blunders by this, both safeties um, and the coverages, all that stuff. It's just, 
for whatever reason, fans must have felt like everything was going to magically change overnight and they would be fine in the secondary when in reality, I mean, look at the quarterbacks in the Bears division alone. Aaron Rodgers, one of the best in the NFL right now. Kirk Cousins, not very great, but if he catches fire, you know, he, he could beat you in a secondary. He's very capable. He's still top 12 in the league. And he's very he's capable of beating pretty, you. Yeah. He's still a pretty dang good quarterback. He's better than anything the Bears have ever had. Yeah, I mean, really, the only quarterback outside of Andy Dalton to worry about in this division and to not really, you know, beat you downfield consistently is Jared Goff. And on, on occasion, he has done that at times. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's four games right there with Cousins and Rodgers. And then plus, you know, you'll be facing other NFC teams that have really good quarterbacks. So, I don't know, man. It's just clear. You said it. I think you said it a couple episodes ago. They just don't pay attention to the quarterback cornerback position for whatever reason. They barely invested any money in there. You know, they they barely addressed it. The guy that even said today, the guy that they addressed it with, Desmond Trufant, they let go and he played for the Saints. It's it's a struggle, man. And I, I don't know. I don't think they're gonna get any better in the secondary. And that's not good news because they have a lot of pretty damn good quarterbacks to play. And if they're not careful this week, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. With Joe Burrow back there, they could be in trouble against the Bengals. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, and the Bengals, uh, offensively, the Bengals have some questions on the offensive line, but man, like you said, they got some weapons and not to mention, they also have the leading rusher in the league. Obviously after one week, the only guy in front of David Montgomery right now, Joe Mixon, who's also a threat to catch the ball out of the backfield. Like they, you know, it's just, again, like there's not really much of a reprieve. I mean, again, you, this kind of goes back to the, you can't re- overreact too much to week one and you got to put some context behind it, but even the lions put up a, a decent amount of points, you know, albeit very late in the game, but Jared Goff is like the fifth, uh, you know, I think he had like the fifth most passing yards in, in the league through, you know, one week or whatever. So again, yeah, you just kind of look at it. The Raiders have a pretty solid offense. Like you start going, if you really start going through the schedule, there's not, there's just not, and that's kind of the thing. Like, and that should be another perspective changer for the Bears or for Bears fans. More the point is, you start looking at all these teams on the schedule, and then you start comparing their offenses to what the Bears have offensively, and it's like that's where playing John Fox ball, and you know, obviously you have to consistently run the ball, but this dink and dunk all the way down the field, and these, like I said, the twelve to fourteen play drives, and you know, just hope you either get a field goal or a touchdown out of it, like. That is not a game plan that they can go throughout the rest of the year. And obviously, I don't think they're going to. But I also think that we've seen by now that there's a large tendency for the Bears to anytime they can't get anything down the field going, they tend to turtle up and they start going short. There's really no intermediate within their game. It's basically either short or they're trying to throw the ball deep and then they usually revert back to short. So, I don't know, man. It's... um, And again, this isn't really to say like, you know, panic, this is going to be an awful season. But I think what this is saying is this is kind of a sobering reality 
of, of to what we've been saying on this podcast for months now in terms of this, this team has a lot of questions. This team has a lot of holes. This team has a lot of flaws and they're not magically going to go away. And I think that obviously, I think once Justin Fields steps in as a starter, I think that things, the perspective, the overall mood of this team with the fan base will change in a good way. And obviously so, but it's just one of those things where even with the excitement of Justin Fields, there's still a lot of important development that needs to go on right now. And I think obviously, you know, we've talked about it with the offensive line, with the secondary, that you have to be able to find pieces on this roster that can be, you know, two, three, four year answers for you at a cheap rate that are younger because the reality of it is, and that's the other thing too, man, like, you know, they, they, you know, they keep Jimmy Graham. I just, I cannot believe this. They keep Jimmy Graham and then they restructure his deal to basically put like 4.67, you know, million dollars in dead space next year, eating against their cap to save a little bit of money this year so they can actually survive. And the dude plays 13 snaps. It's like what are 13 snaps or 20? Either way, he played, a really low amount of snaps, which is a great sign for Cole Komet, which by the way, I should say Cole Komet, actually, I thought he did. He's never going to be an elite tight end, but I, I actually, if that's his role throughout the year, that's, that's or not even throughout the year. If that's his role for his career, that's a Kyle Rudolph type role. I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. And you know, like you said, Jimmy Graham, 14 snaps out there. The bears had 69 total snaps um, in the game on offense. And, yeah, I mean, Cole Komet, we've seen it all offseason. He's their plan at, at the position. And right now, you know, Jimmy Graham had two targets. He caught one of them, and the other one was thrown low at his feet because Andy Dalton didn't have any time to throw. So, yeah, it was a struggle, man. It was very frustrating. But, you know, let's get on to Cincinnati now. And, and you said something. When I was talking about the Bengals offense, we know about Chase. We know about Higgins. Um, we know about Boyd and Mixon as well, but you mentioned that they're offensive line. And I had to see a little bit of that Minnesota Vikings game against the Bengals. One thing I noticed was the Vikings were able to disguise their coverages and their blitzes so well, it was confusing the Bengals. And this is a Bengals line that pretty much got Joe Burrow all but killed last year. Um, him suffering that bad knee injury. I think he was leading the league in sacks as a rookie quarterback last season. I don't know how many he had when he left or when he got hurt, uh, but it was a pretty high number. For me, this is where the Bears defense has to dominate. And I'm not necessarily worried about the middle with um, Roquan Smith and, and Alec Ogletree. I know Ogletree struggled a little bit in pass coverage in this game. Roquan is, is a phenomenal player. He, he's off to a great start this year. The secondary is a big question mark still. And how do you kind of, you know, patch it up a little bit, you know, without going out and getting new players is you get a pass rush and you don't give the quarterback any time to throw. The more time that a defensive back has to cover, the more likely a quarterback's going to find an open wide receiver. So the quicker they can get, to Joe Burrow, the better for the secondary. And I think this is a matchup where Akeem Hicks, Blau Nichols, um, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, they're all going to have to win up front and, um, and and pretty much dominate up front. And, and they're going to have a chance to. And Eddie Goldman practiced – well, he was at practice today. He was very – he was limited. I'd expect him to be back for Sunday's game. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. And that's just going to be a boost to their, to their defensive line. But if the Bears defense wants to turn this around, this is a perfect offensive line because they're going to get confused. You can disguise your blitzes, your coverages. I'm going to be kind of curious to see what Sean Desai draws up because I do think, you know, 
it he deserves criticism for that first game, so as a secondary. I thought their blitzes were actually pretty good on Sunday. Um, I kind of like what he did, especially when the Rams were pinned back inside their own 10. They had that one drive where they went three and out down there. Um, they blitzed on a play. I, I thought he did a good job with his blitzes and his packages. Now you got to bring that over into week two and you face an offensive line that's very vulnerable. One that, you know, was upgraded in the off season, but not to what many thought. Many thought they would go out with, with a Sewell out of Oregon sitting there in the top five and they didn't said so they, uh, they offered a, or took a wide receiver. So we'll see, man. But for me, the key, the bears are going to have to dominate up front and get to Joe Burrow. Well, five sacks. That's how many times that Joe Burrow was sacked. And I think and Daniel Hunter or did Daniel Hunter have two? I, I want to say I, I think, I, I think so. I mean, and that's the thing is like, don't get me wrong. Like the, the Vikings have a pretty good defensive front. I think the bears, have a better defensive front i still think the bears have one of the better defensive fronts in the league because of all you know all the resources they have tied into it like they have good players so yeah i mean i'm i'm right i'm right there with you because i know a lot of people are looking at the overall production for what the Bengals put out offensively and they're saying oh my god this is gonna be another terrible week and it's like well it could be for sure but i think that the the bigger equalizer here is going to be the fact that uh, the Bengals offensive line is nowhere near what the Rams offensive line is. And they're, you know, Zach Taylor, in my opinion, is not a very good head coach. Um, I, I just, I think that they're, the, the, the Bengals are going to be one of those teams this year where they're going to have moments where they're going to look really damn good, but they're also figuring out how to win the game because they, in, you know, for those who didn't watch the game, uh, they fell down seven to nothing. Then they jumped out and they were up 21 to seven at one point. Right. And there was a moment in the game when the Bengals had, it was like a fourth down opportunity and they were in there like pretty deep within their own territory. They're at like the 30 or 35 yard line and they went for it and they didn't get it. And that flipped the entire game around. And from that point on, and that was like midway through the third quarter from that point on the Bengals offense got it basically a field goal. That was all they could get. And long story short, the game ends up going into overtime. They end up winning it. Um, you know, again, it, it still wasn't a very consistent effort and it's just very clear that they're a team learning how to win. Um, they have a lot of weapons offensively. I mean, there's no denying that, but at the same time, they're still figuring out things offensively. Joe Burrow is still a very young quarterback. Um, you know, I think he's going into what is it like his 11th start or 12th start or something like that. So there will be opportunities for a veteran bears defense to be able to get to Joe Burrow. I do not expect the bears to repeat the, you know, at least as bad as they were, um, you know, during the, during the Rams game, because it's just a very different offense. It's not an established offense. There's a lot of younger pieces and they're still trying to figure things out. I think the bigger key for me is going to be flipping over to the offensive side of the ball and the Bengals, again, the Bengals are a better team than I think people, including myself had given them credit for. Uh, but defensively they have a pretty good front. Right. So again, this is going to be a nice little test for the bears offensive line to kind of figure things out again. I think they're going to be able to run the ball decently. Well, I think pass protection is going to be a big thing for them because again, the Bengals have ways to get to the quarterbacks. They did a pretty decent job in containing uh, Kirk cousins and Kirk cousins is kind of one of the, one of those guys they talked about on the broadcast where all the off schedule plays and him having to scramble around, that is where he's at his worst. And quite frankly, that's kind of where Andy Dalton's not at his best either. So 
it's going to be interesting to see how that matches up. The nice thing is in their secondary, that's where the Bears should be able to exploit some things. They play a lot of single high, which means they should be able to open things up down the middle of the field, deep down the middle, you know, and and, and just basically start attacking more vertically. So as a whole, like I said, I, I think the Bengals are a better team than people give them credit for. I don't know if they're as good as their win showed on, you know, in week one, but I do think in terms of overall matchup, I do think this is a better matchup for the bears. And I think, you know, again, it's week two, we got 17 games this season. I think this is about as close to a quote unquote must win for the bears to really get themselves at least to a respectable point and keep things on, on the tracks. And I, I think this is a, this is a much bigger game for the bears than it is the the Bengals. And again, the bears will be at home. So I, I don't know. I feel not crazy confident, but I, I feel confident enough that the bears are going to find a way to win this game. I think that the matchups, I think the matchups are more favorable for them on both sides of the ball this week. I was feeling confident that the bears were going to win, but man, just watching them on Sunday and like watching their body language at the podium all week. I don't know, man. I don't feel very confident. And let's note this. The line opened at three and a half in favor of the Bears. You know, they're minus three and a half. Essentially, home teams get three points. It's kind of how you do it in the betting world. It's down to, I think, they're like minus one, one and a half or something like that right now. So, I don't know. There's, there's something going on there. But, yeah, I mean, this is kind of, you know, it's early to have a get-right game. And in the NFL, you can't really take it. You know, you don't have those games because – it's any given Sunday, whereas college football, you know, you could play an FCS school or a really low division one school and kind of have that get right game. This in my eyes is almost like that for the bears. It's so early in the season that they do have another chance to prove, Hey, we have gotten better. There is improvement. There is progress, but we better see that. I mean, we should, we should not look back at this game and see three to four to five pass attempts over 10 yards again. It should be five, six, seven passes over 15, 20 yards in this game. You have to attack this Bengals secondary. It's time to open up the offense a little more. Um, and as I said, you know, you, you got to take your shots. You have the speed. You got to do it because Marquise Goodwin and Demir Bird aren't really as effective when they're running these short routes compared to when they're running deep routes. That's their game. They're supposed to be those deep targets for you. So I'll be looking for that for Matt Nagy and his staff um, on offense. They got to show progress, man, because if they don't, this thing is going to go downhill quickly. They, they really cannot come out and have the same game plan and, and check downs and all that stuff that they had against the Rams. Do you want to get into our uh, X factor and prediction then? Yeah, let's do it. So we were both right last week. We both had the bears losing. Um, you went first last week. I'll go first uh, this week. I'm going to take the Bears to win this game, um, but I'm going to go. It's going to be like 23-20, I'll say Bears. Um, I think my X factor is going to be this offense trying to push the ball down the field and getting go, getting this offense going essentially with the receivers. Um, I'll be keeping an eye on the offensive line. I, I didn't think the interior offensive line played very well. Um, I thought James Daniels was okay, but – you know, Cody Whitehair kind of struggled. It is and it is Aaron Donald, so I'll give him, you know, a little leeway for that. But I'm going to look to see this offense get back, you know, get into a rhythm. I want to see Matt Nagy call a good game as a play caller. Use your weapons. You finally have speed. Use them to your advantage. And I'm going to go for my game prediction. I'll go 27-23 Bears. Um, I think the Bears' defense is still not going to be great, but I think they're going to be able to hold in field goal situations a few times. And I think offensively, 
you know, again, they move the ball decently well. I think they're going to open it up a little bit more. And I, I think that that will at least lead to, you know, a few more touchdowns. And obviously I'm sure we'll finally see some field goals this week. And I think as far as X factor goes for me, I'm going to go with the same things last week because I think it's the most important thing. And that's going to be controlling the trenches, both sides of the ball. They have to get after Joe Burrow, not nearly, you know, it wasn't nearly as critical as last week because I think it's going to be easier for them this week. Um, and then obviously offensively, especially with a question at left tackle in terms of, is it going to be Jason Peters? or Is it going to be Elijah Wilkinson? Um, that's going to be a big key because the bears have to establish something offensively. I think at this point in time, we're seeing that the arrow, I guess you could say, if there was one to be pointing up or at least in, you know, in a middle direction, it's definitely going to be the offense at this point and they need to get things going. They need to establish the run early on, which I don't think they're going to have an issue with. And then they also need to start stretching the ball deep downfield. And the only way to stretch the ball down the field is you got to have some protection and then you got to have a run game to kind of keep defenses honest. So yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I do think I don't know. I, I I think that the Bengals are going to be I, well. I think the Bengals and the Bears are both two teams right now that that feel a little different. This matchup feels a little bit different right now um, because of the reactions of Week One. Um, I'll say this much, man: if if the Bears lose, uh, if the man if the Bears lose this weekend. I, I don't think it's going to be very long until we see Justin Fields. I'm still like, if they lose this weekend, I'm still saying week four because I think, I, I don't know what we can get to week three when we get to week three, but I, I don't think that's a great matchup at all. And I would be absolutely shocked if they win this game. So, in order to really keep their head above water, they've got to win this week. I mean, I, I could see them going to Justin Fields if Andy Dalton stinks bad in the first half. Um, if they need like a spark, I could see him going to Justin Fields. I definitely think we're going to see him in those packages again, maybe a little more. But yeah, man, this thing could go quickly. I mean, this whatever happens Sunday, it could be you know a clue to when Justin Fields will be ready. Because if this offense stinks, man, they might have to turn to him sooner than later. But Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at and read your work? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. Read all of our work on thebearreport.com. And until next time, everyone, please stay safe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.